0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and we are in the month of October. And as all of you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. If you didn't know it, you do now, or maybe you've seen people wearing pink walking through your town, or you're watching uh, football games and everyone is wearing pink socks and and. Uh, wristbands and that is in support of breast cancer awareness. And so on today's show I'm happy to have one of my most favorite guests. I think this is her third time on the show. I pretty much tap her for every October because she's just awesome. So I'm really thrilled to have back on the show Ting Ting Kuo. She is a physical therapist with a strong devotion to providing comprehensive clinical care in the specialized field of cancer rehabilitation. She holds a clinical doctorate in physical therapy. She is a board-certified specialist in women's health physical therapy from the APTA, and she is a certified lymphedema therapist. And if that's not enough, she just recently obtained an MBA with a focus in health care. And for eight years, she managed the outpatient cancer rehabilitation and lymphedema programs at NYU Langone Rusk Institute of rehabilitative medicine right here in New York City uh, prior to joining the team at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in 2012 and currently she is the outpatient therapy manager at the Sillerman Center for Rehabilitation at Memorial Sloan Kettering where she continues to focus on her dedication and working within the community to assist in providing exceptional therapy services. So, Ting Ting, welcome back to the show. Thrilled to Thank have you, so you as much, always. Karen. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Lovely to be back.
0: And so, like I said, it is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I guess we'll start this conversation off uh, with a very easy question, right? Okay. So, what is, what exa- what is the role of physical therapy? sort of across the spectrum of care for patients with breast cancer?
1: That's a great question. So what I believe you and I had even talked about is that physical therapists overall, we partner with individuals in their journey when they're diagnosed, all the way through the cancer interventions to now survivorship. Uh, That's really been our focus. And we want to support and promote quality of life as they undergo medical care.
0: Perfectly said. And I think what I think is, is interesting in that is most people think, I I won't say most people say most physical therapists may think that, you know, you're sort of treating them, treating the patients maybe around Mm -hmm. diagnosis, or if they have surgery or, or some sort of treatment. But I think it's interesting that you pull that even more into survivorship.
1: Oh, definitely. So it
0: goes beyond just that that time when, let's say, they're just post-surgical.
1: Absolutely. And it's really important because as we're getting maybe even diagnosed early and earlier, we have, in, we have amazing cancer interventions and care that will you know, help us live in uh, good quality of life in terms of after the medical care is done. And so one of our facets that we're super excited to participate in, is to make sure then that the remaining quality of life is even at a higher level and returning back to a prior level of function, because the interventions can affect how they're functioning, how they're moving, and how they're enjoying life in general.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how has... As, you know, with different advances in, the, in the medic- on the medical side in the treatment of, of breast cancer, how has that changed the physical therapy plan of care?
1: You know, although I feel like we're definitely still, the, fo- the focus is still, we're the experts in mobility, right, as mm-hmm. physical therapists. Um, but because of the advances in cancer treatment, we have had to adapt to now focusing on the long-term longe- uh, longevity as individuals win the battle and become more of survivors. Um, And I think that as a profession, we're really focusing on research and providing care based on evidence-based techniques and outcome Mm -hmm. measures. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing maybe more effective treatment or actually treatment that is now supported by research. Um, And particularly with individuals, even with individuals like with medically complex issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, right? So, research has really taken a forefront in making sure that we are focusing our care on something that has been studied and indicated that it is effective in our treatment. Of course. So, I, I'm not sure if um, people know, but the APTA started the Edge Task Force uh, mm-hmm. and multiple oncologies uh, in multiple sections. I think each section has an Edge Task Force. Have, you, um, have we heard of that? Because it, that really focuses on the test and measures in the literature
0: okay. um,
1: to determine, I guess, the validity, reliability, and efficacy in the population. So for oncology, they focused on recently one that was just published uh, in regards to fatigue. Um, you know, I think that the EDGE task force started with the research group. I believe that is accurate. Okay. And it has since rolled out to the other uh, subsections and specialty areas within the American Physical Therapy Association. I think that's been great for us as clinicians to now have something to go to and have physical therapists who are doing this research or reviewing the literature to make sure that we have the most comprehensive and up-to-date, you know, outcomes for specific populations. So the oncology section has been focusing on, you know, the breast population or, you know, breast cancer population, our individuals, I think they're working On right now, a head and neck one. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that's been wonderful for our profession in general, and that just goes out into then the community because we're better profession, you know, clinicians than in our treatment and care.
0: Sure, absolutely. So, so the in in the world of breast cancer rehabilitation, it's really been fueled by better evidence. Correct. Or more, or maybe more evidence
1: more evidence because it hasn't been it's, it's been hard in general for any I think any background to do research unless you're dedicated to research so you know individuals who are out and treat in treating and caring for patients or individuals with cancer you know the focus is on clinical care sure, um, sure. now there's much more of a of a push whether it's also through healthcare regulations and reforms but it's also, I feel, been growing um, where we're understanding more that there is a need for research in order to continue to provide optimal mm-hmm. quality care.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. And yeah. you know, we were sort of talking before uh this interview, mm-hmm. and I was saying that most people that I talk to, and, and this goes even with friends and family and uh they don't even think about physical therapy as mm-hmm. part of the medical team following mm-hmm. a diagnosis of breast cancer or or even even after surgical in- intervention so if someone has a mastectomy a single or a right. double
1: right
0: it, that's it's not even like on the radar uh right. for physical therapy to intervene and so i guess the question is is why do you think that is number 1 Mm-hmm. And, well, let's start with that. So why why do you think that is? Why do you think people don't, it just doesn't ring true with
1: people? Right. You know, I think that, you know, it's a little bit hard in terms of understanding fully where a person is in the spectrum of uh, their care. So at the beginning in oncology, I know that the focus is on medical and making mm-hmm. sure that they're getting through The care uh, that they need in order to become a survivor Mm -hmm. Um, and they are a survivor all through the intervention so really the focus then is on let's contain it let's either let's let's in a sense like eliminate it and let's manage it and so the focus is on surgery chemo radiation all the adjunctive measures Mm you know, I do feel that there are many medical teams that have a focus on that holistic overview, uh, and I think that that's important for us to recognize. But there, but I can see where there are definitely. I think anywhere there's going to be someone who maybe would benefit from. PT. But then again, I think everyone benefits. And and I agree. (laughs) Right. So in that sense, I think our role then is to make sure that we're present and available, that we're educating the community um, to be advocates, as well as uh, the medical teams that we work with. And in the end, I think the best overall resource that we have is that when we provide wonderful care, and we really partner with whoever we're working with and develop a relationship. It then goes back to <clears throat> the referring team and indicates that this was another success story. Absolutely. So however they get to us in a sense, um, you know, we're, we're just continuing as educators. We're always educators uh, for everyone. And, and I think that that's really what we continue to strive to achieve
0: yeah and and I think you you really hit the nail on the head there by uh by saying that if we're doing our jobs to mm-hmm. the best of our ability and we're being proactive with patients or even within the community, you know right. perhaps someone who has had the diagnosis of breast cancer, whether they had surgery or treatment or not yet, mm-hmm. they may hear from a friend of a friend. Who exactly. went to a PT or who's friends with a PT and go to their doctor and say, "Hey, I heard about this person that gives physical therapy care, right. and she specializes in treatment of people with with the diagnosis of cancer, and I would like to go to that person." So it's a way to even because if the patient or the customer, yeah. quote unquote, yeah. client, is going to their physician and saying, right. "This is what I feel like I need." then m- perhaps that physician will be much more likely to continue right. to say, you know something, you need physical therapy.
1: I think what you just said was perfectly phrased because we know that the consumer is savvy, mm-hmm. They right? they They are researching online, they are in support groups, they have, I mean, listen cancer diagnoses and like women and as per the American Cancer Society, one in eight will be diagnosed. There's always someone that is going to be touched in Mm -hmm. terms of in your scope, right? So I think that that's so great to say then that when they go back and we've never had, I don't think anyone who um, goes back to their referring and they don't receive some type of referral. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really is up to the individual sometimes, um, sometimes to make sure that they're advocating for themselves. And that's sure. why I think if you go to a lot of places, whether it's private, a private practice in the community, which, which does marketing and the word of mouth is so important, mm-hmm. the hospitals, right? There are so many ancillary support services. It's amazing. Um, it's just connecting. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The, the person, right? So,
0: absolutely, and and you know, obviously, after and the patient cannot certainly cannot be expected to um, to do all of this on their own mm-hmm. because I'm I would assume that the diagnosis of cancer is quite overwhelming, right? And so you know, like you said, there are support groups, there are family members. So somewhere Definitely. along the chain. I'm sure somebody will, and 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 most of the time, I would assume it would be the physicians who, who are saying, "Hey, I'm going to refer you to physical therapy after X, Y, and Z treatment." You know, sometimes I
1: think, it, I think the physicians and the nurses
0: mm-hmm. they
1: oftentimes. They are the best resources, obviously. The yeah, nurses—they, yeah. you know how they really get to know a person. Mm-hmm. They're so warm and mm-hmm. inviting, and and even sometimes what I've noticed is that the the, te- the referring team picks up on the smallest comment uh, because, right? They they're not necessarily. We don't fully expect them to to focus on that end range emotion. Right at the very when they raise their arm, but sure. they can they do know that when they say something like you know I try to reach into my cabinet to grab a dish and I don't have a lot of strength, mm-hmm. that might be oh, occupational therapy, mm-hmm. um, or you know washing my hair I, I have a I have problems with or you know now you know hooking my bra or taking off my socks or sure um, yeah. and then for PT it could be balance issues. It could just be weakness overall and deconditioning. Sure, just sure. After treatment, areas. like
0: you said, you know, fatigue is a huge is a huge part of um, your, I guess, aftermath of treatments. Mm-hmm.
1: And that can the cardio the cardiotoxicity of some of the chemo agents, mm. and also that and radiation too can lead to. Long-term fatigue, which we call cancer-related fatigue, okay. and it's often under, under-assessed. Uh, and even in the world of PT, it's something that we also have to be more vigilant about, and that we're we're going to have to focus on because, this during interventions, it's more of a that unrelenting, persistent, just tiredness mm-hmm. that is unaffected in terms of activity in the sense because. You can feel it even at rest Mm. and it is so it is so all-consuming and you know it's not as easy to shake off Um, so what we're trying to do now is to take a look to see how we can mitigate some of those side effects by starting exercise a little earlier and exercise doesn't have to be you know what the Surgeon General is indicating which is right five to seven times a day 30 to 60 plus minutes a week, uh, each time, Uh I'm sorry, five to seven times a week. Right. Right. Yeah. 60 minutes a day,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, session. It's really also just getting up and moving from the couch to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Or if you live in the city, walking that extra block, getting off the bus one block early and walking Mm -hmm. to your treatment, Right, something simple, you know, is, is as effective
0: right so sort of starting so it, and it's just that sort of graded exposure right which mm-hmm. which pt's use in all aspects of of care when it comes to Absolutely. strengthening or or uh any sort of cardiovascular uh training so right. it's kind of, it's it's the same it sounds like it's sort of the same idea just put into this specialized population and knowing that perhaps because of their their cancer-related fatigue, Mm -hmm. um, it just may take a lot longer to achieve that goal.
1: Right. Right. And it could be be something where, you know, more research is coming out where if you do do a little bit early on and you put in a little bit of effort, whether it's walking a couple minutes a day extra, Mm -hmm. it does seem to then kind of carry over. But then you Mm -hmm. might need... You know, a session with a physical therapist to try or a couple of sessions to try to figure out that individualized plan of care. Sure. So that, yeah. right, that independent home exercise program can be carried out on their own. Um, so it's not like a long term PT sessions or anything. It's uh, making sure that they have something that is, like you said, I liked your word, graded in a gradual kind of progress to mm-hmm. get into some type of movement pattern. Sure, sure. And,
0: you know, before we sort of did this interview, uh, just for all the listeners, I sort of asked Ting Ting, what what were some of the, what are some of the common questions that she hears from patients? Mm -hmm. So, because I thought that was so important. You know, we often, I often sort of do these shows and I kind of crowdsource and get questions from other physical therapists. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think it's also important to get, what are the most frequently asked questions from the patients. So, if you're mm-hmm. a therapist and you're thinking of uh, working with this population, or you already are working with this population, then these questions might be familiar. But uh, so, Tingting, let's—I want to kind of get your take on these questions. So, the first one is: um, Will I be able to return to how I was functioning?
1: Right. So this is also, you know, this is a really important question because it, it really relates to asking, how will my quality of life be? Mm -hmm. I think that it's, and generally, yes, there's really no one that really says no, unless there's a really good reason, but overall, there always can be a return to a private level of function. Now, Mm -hmm. may it take a little longer to get there? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, But unless there's a really good reason why they can't go back, which I really can't think of at this moment,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's always ways to return to what a person enjoys. And so that becomes, um, you know, a priority in terms of setting our goals, right? Of and making course. sure that, right, Our as clinicians, we integrate and collaborate with the individual because we might have clinical goals, but they have life goals and, what I really like to stress is that whether it's you know lifting their grandchild um, or returning to playing tennis, it's just or even a simple thing as you know cooking dinner and Absolutely. lifting things out of the oven. Uh, it's really a focus on their in- independence and quality of life. So we work to achieve that. All of us do, right? To make sure that SPTs we really incorporate the goals. On the flip side, also, just to piggyback really quick mm-hmm. off of this yeah. is it's also they'll ask, will I be able to return to function, How is functioning, but also, you know, particularly if there's a risk of lymphedema.
0: Mm. Yes. And, yeah.
1: you know, that incorporates more potentially, you know, conversation in the fact that we don't quite know why two people with the same procedure, one will develop lymphedema, one will not. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of research going on, even you know, looking at genetics and, and the makeup of a person as to what might predispose them mm-hmm. to potentially developing or being at a greater risk. So we can be more proactive prior to even going into surgery and with lymph nodes and all that. Yeah. So I think yeah. that that's just a deeper conversation. But yes, mm-hmm. even with lymph and risk, they're Absolutely, we want to return everyone to the prior level of function.
0: Yeah, and I think it's so important that you made the distinction between, of course, we all set our clinical goals. So if someone had a double mm-hmm. mastectomy, yes, we want them to have full range of motion Absolutely. of flexion. Right. And we want them to have, you know, at least four, or four plus out of five strength, if not all the yeah. way up to five. And Correct. And I think it, as the therapist, we have to ask the patient you know, what, what is most meaningful to you
1: and how can
0: we help you work toward that goal? Mm -hmm. You know, now, and this just kind of came to me and, and I, I don't know the answer to this question. So I'm going to ask is what about insurance companies? So Mm -hmm. are insurance companies also looking more for those functional goals or patient centered goals? Or is it still, because I know. I used to work in an outpatient clinic and you would get Orthonet, which was mm-hmm. sort of this tertiary middleman, third party, third vendor, party right. vendor thing. So they just wanted to know what's the range of motion, what's the strength? Mm. And I feel like, boy, are they missing out on the big picture.
1: Right.
0: You know? So, how do you sort of take what insurance companies? <coughs> <clears throat> excuse me, what insurance companies require and, right. and still kind of make it meaningful.
1: Right. I that's like a hard, that's a hard, that's a good question. I know. It's so tough. Insurance these days are super, super tough. Yeah. Um, you know, there are riders within your plan limiting you, um, you know, and, and it's, you're absolutely right. It is extremely, it's it's getting tighter and tighter in terms mm-hmm. of what a person has to pay out of pocket. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's a deductible, there's mm-hmm. a co-pay, there's a co-insurance. Yes. Um, it's just amazing what a person has to do and keep on top of while they're going even through this life-changing situation right, right. called cancer, right? Yeah. So I think what you just said was great. So the fact is, we still have to be objective. And as physical therapists, we need to make sure that our uh, assessments and evaluations and our treatment are based on evidence and objective measures. Mm -hmm. Now, because we haven't had a lot of research in the past to maybe substantiate some of what we're doing, and uh, some of our outcomes are not really focused on a specific population that you're working on, um, I think it is hard. But... We are working towards making sure that um, we're using outcomes and measures or at least we're moving in that direction and we're validating what we need to for specific populations mm-hmm. to indicate now to ensure this is, this is what uh, we need, this is our clinical and professional recommendation. And I have to be very honest, I've gotten on the phone with insurance companies if I haven't been happy with the fact that they've given three sessions for Mm. someone who is severely uh, affected. And three sessions in terms Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, achieving measurable gains that they're looking for may not be feasible in a sense. And, and, you know, I believe I'm pretty good as a clinician, um, but it just is for me just unbearable to think that an insurance company is driving what that person in front of me, standing in front of me, is going through and what I now have to uh, continuously focus on paperwork Mm -hmm. um, before I treat the person. And so I have gotten on the phone and I have had very spirited conversations Mm -hmm. with insurance companies and, uh, you know, I think that that's where we have to advocate and it does end up being that, listen, I understand they have constraints too. But once we really, um, I guess, impress upon them, uh, my thoughts and views as to how someone comes is presenting, they generally are able to see that human side and mm-hmm. understand that it can't all be about numbers and paperwork. Yeah. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's though. It is. It's such, and obviously that's across the board, it goes beyond treating patients with the diagnosis of cancer. I mean, that's that's across the board in physical therapy care. Um, It's just so frustrating. And I'm sure every therapist listening to this has probably said to themselves, I've had those spirited conversations also. Absolutely, He
1: gets a little fired up.
0: Yeah, because, you know, you're trying so hard. I think, you know, as physical therapists, we're so passionate about helping our patients that when we get a roadblock in front of us, you're like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. You're like, oh, for God's sakes, no. Oh, jeez. So, you know, I think that's, th- th- that sound says it all when it comes to insurance I- companies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Our profession, I, I, I know, um, you know, I know they're outliers, but for the majority, I, the reason that, right, right, we as individuals go into physical therapy is to help, and so, you know, faced with um, rules and regulations, which we do need,
0: mm-hmm, absolutely, uh,
1: you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's a different mindset. And it's also, we do get spirited because we are really being altruistic in what we believe is the best for the patient. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to scam anyone. We're not right. trying Exactly. Not trying to pull the wool over your eyes here. (laughs) No, no, because in the end, we're responsible to the patient.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And as clinicians, we we have gone to school for a very long time, and we have been in clinical practice for a very long time, you and I at least, Mm -hmm. have understood that we're going to make sure that we do the right thing for the patient within our professional guidelines. So we're not going to be seeing someone for... You know, a hundred sessions right. just to see the person. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, I've uh, uh, the other the other question that you said patients ask about a lot, but we sort of already touched upon was the "I'm so tired all the time"
1: mm. as
0: that subjective report, which we sort of taught we already touched upon the cancer related fatigue. Um, but right. was there anything else that you wanted to add to that?
1: You know, I just really feel that that. Y- that cancer related fatigue is real. Mm-hmm. And so when someone's going through cancer care and even afterwards, because this can be persistent years afterwards, it's it's really something that needs to be recognized. And if anyone listening to this has had that feeling and have gone through the intervention, they're like, you know, I'm just always tired. You know, that's something that really needs to then go back to the medical team and say you know, here's something. Do you think that maybe I have cancer-related fatigue? And then get the appropriate resources and support Mm -hmm. to try to mitigate some of those side effects.
0: Right. So it's, it's not, oh, you're just tired because, you know, you're not moving or, oh, you're just, it's all in your head or, oh, it's, this is a real, a real side
1: effect. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And even, even, um, some of the big, uh, you know, support groups are coming out to indicate that this is a real issue. Um, the National Comprehensive Care Network, mm-hmm. the NCCN, has also come out with this very specific definition to address cancer-related fatigue. And I think that the more uh, awareness and education we can bring out to the community, you know, it's not just, listen, they're in bed, they're tired, they're laying on the couch. It's, it's not that. They don't choose they don't choose this. This is their body reacting, and they just need a little bit of TLC to get them up and moving again. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's important to know that it, it's something their body is reacting to. It's not that they're Absolutely. you know lazy. It's not that nope, they're, woe is me. All. I have a diagnosis of cancer. I don't feel mm-hmm. like moving. This is mm-hmm. a, a physiological issue. Right. And is that as a result of treatment or it was a result of the cancer itself? or both. Right. No. I don't know.
1: It it could be both, but a lot of it is um potentially from the interventions, from mm-hmm. you know, the chemo agents. They're very systemic overall. Mm-hmm. And it could be from, you know, the anemia, right? Low oh, low sure. red blood cells. It uh-huh. could be the immune system is depressed uh-huh. uh in terms of some of the chemo agents. It could be nutrition-based or medication, mm-hmm. sometimes they're still undergoing, you know, hormone replacement, you know, hormone therapy, um, comorbidities, because we can't forget that before they had cancer, they had other, uh, issues. maybe other medical issues, yeah. right? Uh, and it depends on where you are in terms of where you were health-wise um, and physically fit. We do know that individuals that have been more physically active seem to respond better in you know, addressing some of the side effects and not having it affect them that much. So more
0: physically active pre-diagnosis? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So sense. it's been
1: shown in research to indicate that, you know, exercise throughout the cancer spectrum has been demonstrated to be effective in decreasing side effects and mm-hmm. getting them through uh, the continuum of care mm-hmm. at a, a much uh, faster in terms of a quality of life perspective. So pre-cancer, like pre-diagnosis, uh, if you're in better shape, your risk of cancer number one is lower. Mm-hmm. And then when you're going through it, because the body is in better shape, it can fight some of these side effects Got it. much more vigorously than someone else who might not be as in good shape.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking at, let's keeping. Sort of what you just said, as far as being in shape or being you know health healthy uh, pre cancer right. uh, diagnosis, and then post cancer diagnosis, you can still lead a healthy lifestyle
1: definitely you know
0: so i I think a lot of times when people hear the diagnosis of cancer it's oh they're they're sick, they're sick, they're sick, but you could still quote-unquote, lead a healthy lifestyle and make healthy choices. Yes. Even though you have this diagnosis. You know, and, I think it's
1: oftentimes that that's when you are diagnosed all of a sudden, right, the light bulb goes off. Yeah. And you focus on health and and you realize what's important in life.
0: Mm-hmm. And, but, yeah, go
1: mm-hmm. ahead. No, no, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say, as far as, you know, how, how you said, you know, trying to be more active throughout the continuum of Mm -hmm. care, is this something that the physical therapist can sort of take apart a huge huge role Mm -hmm. in? Um, Let's say outside of, I guess this is the hard part, right? It's almost like you're providing, let's say their time in physical therapy, they've reached their goals, quote unquote. But can someone continue with physical therapy or continue with the Maybe a a monthly or or a bi yearly sort of mm. check in, like they would with their physician, to mm-hmm. make sure that they're still on the same mm-hmm. trajectory. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like a bit of preventative care, like sure. a preventative care program for people diagnosed with breast cancer. So that yes, that they had. Let's say I'm just going to make up a, a patient. Patient A diagnosed with breast cancer had a double mastectomy. Um, had PT afterwards. She's six months out. She still feels really good, but wow, you know, I should check in with my PT to see what, is there something else I could, I could start doing? You know, is this something that you see or is it something that, that maybe as PTs we can advocate for?
1: You know, I think, listen, that's a great idea, Karen. So it's very similar to if someone was going right for their uh, annual checkup. Sure. um, Or, right, they go back to their oncologist every whatever it is, every month, and then three months, six Mm -hmm. months, a year. Um, You know, I feel that that would be a wonderful model. I I know that you and I have briefly touched upon the fact that it'd be great that everyone could get an automatic PT referral, whether you whether you think you need it or not, because mm-hmm. the fact is that we, we are the experts in looking at fine-tuning a person's mobility. Mm-hmm. And so we'll look and find things that might not be so apparent, but once you take out the compensatory patterns and the substitution aspects of how a person, because everyone will their body will naturally work to become independent again. But they might do it in a way that might not be as effective in, mus- you know, in muscle energy or um, positioning, and that ends up like 10 years down the road to maybe some discomfort. Sure. So what we want to do is get in there early to try to see. At this time, in terms of if we could develop a model that's like that, that would be amazing. Yeah. With the volume of uh, you know, clients coming in, yeah to then service, um, you know, newly uh, individuals who need, you know, care and treatment in terms of PT. But that would be amazing if we could set up, we would need more clinicians overall Mm -hmm. in our Mm -hmm. profession in general. Mm -hmm. Um, True. But that would be amazing if that could happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like such a great way to keep someone on track. Or like you said, maybe we might pick something up. Mm-hmm. That you know may lead to something down the road, so to kind of right. keep them healthy and happy and moving forward, I think is it's such a uh, would be such a huge thing for these patients and you know physic the world of physical therapy and the world of healthcare is ever changing and ever evolving, and uh-huh. I feel like as physical therapists you know we're we're sort of constantly trying to find ways that we can fit in yes, and, and fit in, in, in a very sort of proactive way.
1: Positive. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, it it's been said in, in kind of on different social media circles that, you know, just like you go to your doctor once a year, why don't you go to a PT once a year, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people don't do that. It's usually only post injury, not when you feel good.
1: Yeah. Right. We're generally more uh, reactive than proactive. Yeah, but
0: exactly, exactly. Your forethought
1: is, is great, and I'm not sure, like, what do you think? Do you feel that that's somewhat where we're sort of heading? Because there's been a lot of talk in, you know, in uh, in the news in general, particularly with Obamacare that came out and all that, and we're looking at, what right wellness and being proactive.
0: I mean, um, I think I think PTs have to start being proactive, and we have mm-hmm. to start focusing on, on the wellness aspect of people's lives. You know, and I, I I don't know how to do that in in the cancer population. Having something like every time they see their oncologist, they see their PT, mm-hmm. just makes sense, you know. But in in those sort of healthier populations. Uh, You know, I don't know. I mean, I've had once or twice Mm -hmm. people have, I had someone come to me who he was good. He was, was in the summer and he was running the New York City Marathon and he wanted to come to a PT to kind of look at how he's running and look over his program and what should he be doing? And which was amazing because no one ever does that, right? Right. (laughs) And, and probably because he was European. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, he was from another country. So he thought, well, yeah, I'm going to go to a PT. Who else am I going to go to? You know, but here in the U.S., it's like that's just not something that's on the forefront of people's minds, you know. Right. But I think it, it it should be. And I think, you know, we have to with lower reimbursement, falling reimbursement rates and things like that. Mm-hmm. It has to be something that can be put into uh physical, the spectrum of care of physical therapy, you know, and I don't know how to do that. I don't know if it's the person comes to you once a year and maybe they pay out of pocket for that once a year reboot. Right. You know, I I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how that, that would work, but well, you know, all, all the States will at least starting January, 2015, all the States will have some form of direct access care. Right. You know, so, um, and, and again, most, I would say 99% of the population of this country have no idea what that even is. And, and, and I'm not even exaggerating, I don't think, when I say 99%. I not exaggerating either. <laughs> I may be low-balling it, actually. Um, so, you know, how can we as physical therapists treat ethically? Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, you know, we go into this profession to help people. So right. keeping that in mind, what can we do? You know, and and that kind of leads into, I guess, the final question I have for you. And as a physical therapist, how do you feel our role as being patient advocates mm-hmm. best fits those patients with breast cancer?
1: I think we touched upon a number of uh, aspects, and in, in, in terms of the uh, items and in answering that question, mm-hmm. I just feel that our role really is. In order to advocate for a patient, we have to make sure that we're up on the literature. We have to make sure that we know that we're practicing the best clinical practice, and that means going to continuing education, going through mentorship, uh, working with others, um, being part of the medical team, and continuing to educate, whether it's education in the community, whether it's education to uh, our, our patients and individuals that we partner with, or whether it's with the medical team and continuously advocating in that sense uh, and supporting and emphasizing that a person after and throughout cancer interventions needs needs to get back to
0: a quality
1: of life uh, and that us as ph- physical therapists, we really are experts in mobility and that that is really what we would do the best in in making sure that we look at the person as an individual and putting all the pieces together. Because what are we without function and and movement, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's not you certainly don't have the quality of life that I think you'd want to have, right? Yeah, and and I think that was beautifully said. Um, so we're sort of wrapping things up a little bit here, although I feel like we could talk for another hour. Yeah. But unfortunately, <laughs> I think we both have to go to work. Um, yes, I think so. Um, so what what sort of um, what what would you like? For the listeners to kind of, what's the big takeaway as far as physical therapy um, in the care of patients with breast cancer?
1: Mm-hmm. Physical therapists in general are here to partner with you. Uh, we're here to support you in your goals. Uh, we're going to be the ones that then assess, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, assist in terms of with your insurance, with all that, because we understand that that's a that's a big aspect of going through cancer interventions. And the really key is that overall, you know, we're here and they need to then just reach out to us or go back to the medical team just to even see if it would be something that would be beneficial.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And if people wanted to get more information, um, let's say more information on, breast cancer rehabilitation where Mm -hmm. could they do that
1: well the APTA has a great site in terms of um, so it's APTA.org and there are specialized sections in there one is the oncology section Mm -hmm. uh, and one is and one is a women's health Mm -hmm. um, subsection but if you just go to APTA.org you're able to then pull up um, a find a PT and then you can do subspecialty uh, searches Mm -hmm. and you can go, there's one on oncology, but there's different areas that you can, you know, there's one on pelvic floor. If you're going through, you know, other issues, Uh right, that could be affected, click on that and then you put in your zip code and it actually gives you a list of physical therapists. It's not all inclusive, but at least they'll give you a starting point.
0: Great, great, and and just as an FYI for people listening, that is how I found Ting Ting, <laughs> like four years ago or three years ago, however that long it was. Funny. That's how I found you. I went to apta.org and and went to oncology, and there you were. Um, that's so, great. Yeah. So <laughs> it just, does work. It works. I swear, it really works. Okay. So anyway, um, thank you so much for coming on. One of my most thank favorite you, guests. I love talking with you. And, and I think today's episode is, is a lot of really powerful information uh, for people out there. And I thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on.
1: Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. You're amazing. And thank you for doing the service Uh, to make sure that information gets disseminated in a clear and thoughtful way.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much. And to all those listening, thanks for tuning in. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.